kicks it out towards the big rock when Thomas was in the front spot that time. Ball hits the deck, handball over the top. Martin, he couldn't quite trap it, but had the skill to go after it again. Make that three. Make that three, you little beauty. He's a superstar, Cole Martin. And he slams through his first on the bending Avery's grass. Who's going to claim the ball? It's just falling out of hands. Now, can we have a shot at goal? It's against Spice. It's Spice. He's picked it up and he's just put it on the left. And the big boy kicked A 10-star performance from Charlie Haley as Baldwin put a monster score past North Ringwood. A buzzer beater from Jordan Jaworski deals Montrose another massive blow. Whilst Don, Donvale jump into second. Scoresby stump Warren Dyke. Surrey Park fight off the Kangarams and the Basin are back. Welcome to the Eastland Monday Recovery with Matt Fodia, Matt Lee, Gavin Casey and we're awaiting a special guest, Ben Warren-Smith. But in the meantime, we'll jump straight into the action with the Basin Bears spider. I know it's sad news for your East Bird Rams, but the Basin, they got back on the, uh, the winners list once again. This time a massive win, 59 points and for the first time in a while, really kicked straight. Got 140. 40 on the board, 21-14, 1-40 with Jason Jackson Drake or Jason? I think it's Jackson. Jackson Drake kicks seven goals uh, to lead the way. Uh, we've got Justin on the line, Spider, so we'll get him straight into it. Juz, a massive win for your club, mate, and you're right back in the hunt. Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, look, it was really pleasing yesterday. We, um, As you alluded to, we kicked straight, which uh, which was nice compared to uh, the previous week. And, um, yeah, we just... We just looked dangerous up forward for, for good chunks of the day yesterday, which was really pleasing. G'day, uh, Justin. Great to have you on the program. It's uh, Matt Lee speaking. I think when Hi, we Matt. look at the context of the game yesterday, one there's a few notable things. Hard at the contest, seemed to have numbers at the contest, and then when you went forward, you were just dangerous. And, you know, Drake kicking those four important goals early in that first quarter really set the game up. Uh, I think they're really the way that you would analyse the match. Yeah, look, um, we've got a lot of respect for East Burwood, as I, as I touched on um, numerous times during the week. I think they're, um, yeah, they've got a fantastic core group of players and they're, uh, they're going to challenge everyone this year. Uh, we just, we just needed to, uh, be a bit unsociable and and have a lot of energy and effort around the footy, um, and we think that if we're if we're doing that consistently for long periods of the game, that we're going to be competitive, and then you know then you'll get your results up forward. Um, and yeah, like yesterday, um, young Jackson Drake kicking seven, and um, yeah, started off started like a house on fire. Uh, Trev Mills kicked four, uh, Matt Rennie kicked three, and then we had seven other goal kickers. So that was the pleasing bit having having ten individual goal kickers. Is that one thing that you're trying to do at the base and get that flexibility, have a lot of players coming through that four-line setup, so that you are putting pressure on a, a defensive unit such as East Burwood yesterday just to have that little bit of uh, un, uh, uncertainty, a little bit more chaos, so that really puts a lot of pressure on defensive systems? Yeah, well, ideally, yeah. Look, you never get it your own way, but that's that's certainly what we like. Um, you know, unlike other clubs, um where there's, you know, arguably a number of household names, there isn't any uh, in the basin forward line. So to be fair, unless you do your homework um, as an opposition player or even a coaching group, um, yeah, you wouldn't know half our guys if you tripped over them in the street, which is, which is good. They're young and um, you know they just go about their work and and yeah, there's certainly it's a non-negotiable for us. change. We've got to change the look at that forward line. Um, yeah, every few minutes, to be honest. Uh, Justin, it's a, it's a fantastic result, but it's coming from out of the blue as such because you've worked hard for your scoring and I know it seems a theme of our conversation, but yesterday, was it something that was coming or is it just a belief 
um, or execution in terms of how you exit uh, stoppages and those contests? Is there something that just clicked yesterday that is yeah. going to be what you're hoping for for the rest of the season? Look, look we hope so. Um, it was um, look, the first four rounds. There was a fair bit of um, selfish footy being played. Um, it, and when I say that is, you know, we were struggling and guys would just, you know, jump on my back, guys, and, and, and follow me. I'll, I'll take you to the promised land, so to speak. And rather than, um, you know, rather than having an even distribution throughout our, our list. So our focus over the last month is about just, you know, getting back to winning the footy and then giving it to, to, to somebody in a, you know, in a better position than you. And, and then what you can do to then uh, support that guy that's, that's received, you know, a handball receive or, or a kick from you. Um, I said the first three or four rounds was ugly footy. Um, and yeah, we we're just a bit selfish. We we're just, I just think we just had too many, too many guys wanting to, uh, to be the heroes and not, not spread the love amongst all 22. Well, it is a fantastic result, but every time I've seen the base in the last few years, you've been competitive, but the comments from you have been about how your list has a lot of youth and, but we're probably a couple of years more maturity in the lineup. Where do you think your list build is at for the maturity to go on with the season and and to get this final spot um, done this year? Because it seems like there has been a trajectory for a good few years. Is the list a lot more mature than it now this year than it had been maybe even two years ago when we had a full season? Yeah, I think so. Look, we're still got a we're still got a big chunk of the list at a sort of twenty one. 21 and under, um, but that said, they've and I've said it, you know, time and time again that they've now had, you know, a lot of them were gifted games early on when they probably didn't warrant them, but now they've got, you know, we've got a number of guys celebrating 50 games over the next few weeks, and these are those guys that we pump games into over the last two or three years. So there's no excuses; they can't play the, the they and us can't play the young card. You know, yeah, we are young, but we've got experience now, and uh, we've been around long enough to. Uh, to try and make some inroads into these, you know, into these other teams that are sitting, sitting, um, and consistently sitting in the in the top two or top four. And uh, just uh, just a, another point of view in terms of the competition that you face, the fact that you probably, in retrospect, have had a, um, a harder run at the start, and you're coming into a part of the season where you think you can bank some wins. Is it interesting that you've got these local rivalries with Heathmont and Ringwood that? It was very hard to get a foothold on your season when you had these um, these uh, rivalry ra- games so early in the season. Oh yeah, look, um, it is. Uh, that said, we you know we, you get what you get what you deliver, and, and be it uh, a win or a loss. And you know, as I'm on record to say, I thought we certainly played the better in round one. Uh, we were ordinary in round two. Um, we let an opportunity slip in round three, and we were horrible in round four. Um, uh, and they'll rule our, you know, the blue chip games that we we look forward to. But yeah, we we didn't basically uh, put our hand up really in any of those. Yeah, they were a couple of narrow losses, and there's a draw in there. But um, we just know how how even it is. Like you know, next week we play Templestowe, the week after we play Mulgrave. Well, if we're not at a hundred percent or near, or near enough to that, we'll we'll get done the next two weeks. Make make no mistake about that. They're, both teams are going really well. Um, and I think that's just a sign of DB2. You know, yeah, there's a couple of teams that are struggling down, down the bottom, but everyone else can beat uh, anyone else. And, you know, Mulgrave are a classic example of that, as, as we've seen their results uh, so far this year. So, yeah, we've got to be up every week. Um, and, yeah, the next two weeks are huge for us for, as far as uh, what our season's going to look like. 
it's a it's a great point you make there, Jazz, because last year uh, I know we didn't finish the season, but it was only a top four. But there was a clear top five. There was a massive divide between probably the top four and Baronia. Well, not a massive divide, but a, a bit a bit of one, and then a big divide yep. between Baronia and that bottom three. And now, as you mentioned, the emergence of Mulgrave, um, obviously Eastfield coming up and sliding straight into it, and Templestowe, and even Knox on their day having that ability to knock off any side. Has it sort of played into your hands a little bit because you obviously didn't have the start you wanted, but the fact that Mulgrave, um, Templestowe winning yesterday, East Bird, they've actually sort of opened it up to make it a bit of a race because if you'd had this start last year, there would have been no chance of making it. Well, you're, you're, look, you're right. Um, it, it, the way it's played out, uh, I guess we can see the pathway uh, in front of us in that you know we're going to get an opportunity to play these other teams again for a second time. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, we've got to try and we've got to bank wins um, and the wins that we, I guess, planned that we would bank in the off season, which doesn't really count for much. But <laughs> yeah. um, off season yeah. was easy, but, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, now now that we've seen the results that you said Templestowe and Mulgrave in particular have produced, um, yeah, we've got to. It, there's no excuses. You've got to bank those wins uh, as tough as they're going to be, and then you then you reset and hopefully have a bit of luck with injury and illness which we're all sort of struggling with. But, you know, hopefully have a bit of luck and who knows in the second half. But, yeah, whoever makes that top five are going to earn it and on their day can can beat anyone, um, I would suggest. Justin, the bigger grounds, uh, like your comments on uh, how, obviously, it's a fascinating competition and conversation, uh, sometimes playing on the small grounds and then walking on the bigger grounds. I mean, Eastburg, classic example, um, yeah, they play on a big ground, Last couple of weeks, they played on a small, smaller grounds. They're probably not as uh, familiar with, and probably hasn't haven't performed as well. And you guys have probably performed better on the smaller grounds. Then when you move away from home, that's your, probably your next challenge to perform better on the bigger grounds. How, how do you see that coming in the weeks going forward for you guys? Yeah, um, we 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 enjoy going to the big grounds, but we yeah for whatever reason we don't play to the to the level that we're capable of. There was a couple of um, differences last year, but yeah, certainly that's an area that we've got to focus on. And East Burwood, um, yeah, they're, they're probably just not used to those. You know, South Belgrave and Batterham are two unique grounds. Um, they'll, they'll they've had two good looks now, so they'll be better for it. But their bodies, they've, they've got big bodies. They're they're a lot bigger than what we are, uh, East Burwood. So I I expected them to to absolutely embrace Batterham yesterday. And look, they did the second half. They did. They were fine. They were, they were equal to us. Um, but yeah, certainly uh, the East Burwood type ground. Sorry, there. We're going to get better around playing consistent footy. Yeah, we've got to get better playing consistent football uh, away from uh, away from Batterham Reserve for sure. Uh, Justin, I'd like to get your comment about when we're talking about um, not being selfish going forward and, and now that it's clicked, but it seems clear that Jackson Drake has stepped up with a big bag against Oakley District and seven yesterday. He's been around since 2019, but it seems like he might be some someone who's emerging as a genuine goal kicker. What sort of a position player are we talking about and what structure do you want to have going forward with Jackson as part of that? Well, yeah, look, he's uh, he's been terrific. He actually, he came across at, in 2018. Um, uh, I formerly um, had some dealings with him at Beaconsfield, where I was previously. He's um, he's a tall, athletic fella. Played him as a key defender uh, in his first year and a half as a senior footballer, uh, just so he could, um, you know, develop. Um, and then certainly, you know, half of 2019 and then into 
last year and this year we've we've swung him forward. Um, yeah, he's, he's 21 years of age. He's played you know nearly 50 games of senior footy. Um, so he's still a baby as far as you know senior footy experience. But yeah, you know he's what is he? He's probably six foot four, six foot five. Very athletic. You know, did a did a full preseason at North Melbourne this year, which um, certainly um, has put him in a good place uh, with his fitness. That's for sure. Well, well, Jazz, we, we better let you go, mate, because as much as this uh, interview's only been recorded for 12 minutes, you have been on the line for a while, but a really good win from, from your side. It was a big test, and it, it's that first win, as you said, against the blue-chip side, and hopefully it's a sign of the Bears hitting some form and, and reaching their full potential, which we know, and many of us predicted, um, to be the second seed this year. So good luck for the rest of the year, mate, and thanks for joining us on the Monday Recovery. No worries, guys. Thank you very much. Justin Stanton there, the, the Basin senior coach and, and a great footy man. So mm. a big win for their club spot. Obviously, you, you'd be a little bit disappointed with that um, from an East Bill point of view. But on paper, at the start of the year, if you'd said that result, it wouldn't have surprised too many people. No, I don't think the result would have surprised a lot of people. I mean, I think you've got to be pretty measured and balanced on uh, the result itself. I mean, uh, when East Bill were going there, they're, they're playing a team who play that ground particularly well. Uh, their record speaks for itself there. They'll learn a lot from the last two weeks. And I think Justin's really correct in his analysis of that. You know, they're tricky grounds to play at, both South Belgrave and the Basin. So they go away as a young playing group. They learn about what they've done over the last couple of weeks. And in seven days' time, they get to play Heathmont and bounce back at home. So they're still on track. Uh, there's no panic stations, I wouldn't have think, down at Eastfield. But on the basin, you've got to say that they uh, thoroughly deserved their win yesterday. Yeah, it was a, a good performance by them and one that uh, I think we've been waiting for for a, a, long, a long time. And I, I think that's uh, that, you know, as comprehensive um, for them as it has been uh, you know, for a while, as, as Justin alluded to uh, early in the season. They've just played in bits and pieces, and uh, finally they've uh, pushed the button and uh, they're trying to get this season off and running. Well, I just wanted to get your comment. as um, In terms of East Burwood, we're on top of the ladder undefeated two weeks ago, and now they're coming up against sides with bigger bodies. Do you think that's going to be, in terms of their season, they might struggle against an opponent like the Basin, who dominated them in the middle and with the body contact, that it might be a thing for East Burwood to think about? It might, it might be too, as well, sorry to jump in this spot, it might be too that it, it's all just levelling out. We all know the Basin have played under their their best the mm. first sort of month. So on the actual rankings where we originally had everything, East Bird are obviously better than a lot of us thought, but they've lost to South Borough, who everyone thought were the number one seed, and they've lost to Basin, who everyone thought were the number two, and I think they play Ringwood in a couple of weeks, um, which would, be, would have been everyone's sort of number three. So if they actually come away and only lose yeah. those three games... But that's fine. But now they've got to reassess themselves depends, as contenders. But that's what. But do they? Depends if. Well, depends, do they? I don't know. Spider about to tell us. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's people at East Bill that always. <laughs> but I, but I suppose when we look yeah. at it, at the start of the season, I mean, the expectation was that for for East Bill was that they didn't really have any ceiling on their expectation. So whereas I know there's been people around the media table and from other clubs within the within the competition that probably didn't really think that they deserve their spot in the division. But putting that aside, I think where they're currently placed, I mean, they've certainly got a big you know, role to play. As I've said previously, there are, this is the very touching of the surface for them. They've got a long way to go in their development. This playing group will play together for a very long time. The average age is 21. So they've got a lot of players. They're going to play a lot of football together. And I think uh, you know, they're very skillful. They're a very talented group of players. And 
playing on big grounds, they're only going to get better. But I think it's a great lesson for them to play uh, on these smaller grounds. And look, they've come away with a couple of losses. They'll learn a lot because going forward in the future, they're going to have to get used to playing on different grounds, different shapes, different well, conditions. Well, the higher you go, you uh, actually play exactly. on smaller grounds. You play on Dennis smaller Arfield grounds. mentioned that yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's a, it's a great you know, conversation to have. The, the conditions at different grounds that we're accustomed to change. And I think having that variety and being able to adapt to the way that your team structures up is really important. So I think it's a really good teaching tool for Eastbrook to be able to say to these guys, this is what's going to be presented to you you know, week after week, you're not always going to get the perfect you know, conditions mm. playing on the big ground at East Burwood. Well, and just to cut in there, Spot, is the fact that this division is probably the best division for that. And, it's and, good, and actually the lower exactly. ones, because as Dennis Armford pointed out on pre-game yesterday, is that Park Orchards have played a similar thing. They're young. They, they don't really have big bodies. So they like the big grounds. But so far, they've, they've got to go up. Vermont's tiny. Uh, Norwood's, you know, it's not, exa- it's not tiny, but it's not exactly massive. Um, you know, the higher you actually go up, there's the ground that Blackburn's pretty small. Even Dominey's not that that big. Bourne's Bourne's small. The higher you go up, the grounds actually get smaller. So it's it's a weird phenomenon because then if you do want to make the step to VFL, Gav, yeah. the grounds get bigger again. It's amazing. Um, you talk other sports; they actually have a set size of grounds. And as Aussie rules being created from um, early in Australia's development of modern history. It was on a very big field, and then to With create the, boundaries yeah, yeah. randomly. Um, <laughs> just the yeah, so where quirkiness, it of isn't it, it? Isn't it? And it just changes your competitiveness, the size of the ground. What's the weather like? Well, we don't have bare minimums, do we? Because a lot of other sports have um, sort of guidelines over how big it can be. So we always love talking about soccer, but even mm. like the other thing about other sports, obviously basketball, those controlled environments yeah. where the court is this size. Yeah, and even in soccer, there's there's differences, but they can't. It can't be smaller than this, and it can't be bigger than that. Obviously, in the big leagues, there is they're just a certain size for state uh, for stadia. Yeah, but at yeah, local they standardise it to the MCG. Exactly. But and who lo- created that? But at local level, but at local level, as long as you can make it a sort of an oval, yeah. you can park cars around it, and it's got goalposts there, and we'll play on it. Well, think about it. I mean, go back decades, and we're talking about you know, VFL, AFL <laughs> football, suburban. I mean, you go out to Windy Hill, you went out to Western Oval, you went out to Glen Ferry Oval. You Glen Ferry now, had its own elements as well. It Wind. had its own elements. It had its own. Glen Ferry had the train line. Yeah, so everything had its own. You know, capacity, its own little, yeah, its own little idiosyncrasies. Yeah, yeah, the, well, the word, speaking of wind, having... speaking of wind, which which we're about to, Baronia always windy at Tormore, uh, <laughs> yes. a bit of a wind tunnel, and uh, the wind helped Temple stay. So a big win for them. They were up by one point at half time, three goals to one in the third, and then two goals to two in the last. A bit of a surprise body, given that Temple Stade had injuries early on and sort of. They drifted further and further down the ladder and sort of looked like they were going to find their level as that sort of around Knox, um, you know, a very good side, but not quite up to the standard of that sort of top six, seven that we've seen break away in Div 2. But this win over Baronia is, one, a real bad wobble for Baronia because it now brings them right back to probably the base and can strike them out of it in the next couple of weeks with their run. And then also from Tempestow's point of view, it, it just gives them the half of a sniff of the finals. Well, it does. And when, when you think about a couple of weeks ago, the broadcast game, Baroni was so good against Heathmont. And then just within a couple of weeks, the wheels have fallen off against Springwood and then now against Templestowe. So you, you just wonder what's going on. They lost a, a game at home against East Burwood. So they're not playing their best football um, when they play at home. They're, just, they're really struggling to, to capitalise on that. I think that's been a, 
real problem for them. I think when their pressure is taken to them, they've really, really struggled and they've just struggled to kick, struggled to kick scores. We've spoken about this on the Friday show um, over a period of time. And look, Temple State, you've got to give them a little bit of credit. We thought that they were going to struggle to, to score, but they've really, yesterday, they've really been a, a team that's worked really hard. They put a good performance together. They finally got that win. They might get back on track a little bit. Probably, you know, we don't probably see them playing finals right, at no, this there's, point. There's at least seven teams better than them. There's a lot of teams, but and obviously they can upset a couple, the apple but cut. they could. But they could cause a little bit of damage in the second part of the year, which might upset a few teams. Uh, yeah, potential well, finals as, chances. As Justin said, Gav, they, they have mm-hmm. no illusions that Temple Show game that whilst Temple Show probably won't make finals themselves, it's a game that has proved to be a slip a banana skin for a lot of other. Well, let's not go too early. We want to keep the excitement in the comp first. Well, there's seven teams. We can't have all eight. <laughs> yeah, well, it might get that close. But, um, but what my big point on looking on the best players, it's interesting to see them after their big recruitment to see their best to be Nick Batsanis, Toby Ryan, uh, Fogarty and Max Houghton. And Fogarty's been in every week. Well, yeah. Fogarty would have to be clearly winning the best and fairest. I mean, Down there, yeah. I think he, well, he's the only one who's played every game and – He's, he's been ever-present. Yeah, he's been really important for them. And look, Max Holden, we, we've had him on the, the media team and it's been great insight, But he, and he's providing some you know some real leadership for them. But And Batsanis, we know that the sort of quality player is, and Toby Ryan as well. So if those guys are consistently playing well, look, they're a good chance to win most games. But when those guys are not playing as well or perhaps even out of the team, you know, that combination really changes and that's when they're really struggling. Hmm. So the other big game in this division was Ringwood and South Belgrave because South Belgrave obviously lost to Mulgrave, um, got back on track with a win over East Build. And it was it was a chance to see, you know, how good Ringwood are because they just seem to be winning rather than really putting teams away and obviously to see whether South Belgrave could uh, turn it around after a sort of a, a weird fortnight. Um, and three-quarter time, it looked, you know, two points of difference in favour of South Belgrave. Jared Beanland was there, was uh, messaging me scores throughout the day. Looked like a really high game a high-quality game of football. And the Saints just put the hammer down in the last eight goals to four in the last. So it really opened up, which is strange. I don't think Brett Rowe, Gav, would have, mm. would have planned that. I don't think he wanted it to be an open game because as we were talking to Justin off-air as well, if it gets on the outside and, and he's open and you get it inside 450, South Park are going to kick goals, such as their forward line. Damian Garner mm. kicked three, Sam Brown kicked three, Tim Smith kicked three, and then you've you got to add in that Lee Odomat and Taylor Garner didn't hit the score sheet. Obviously, Odomat not playing. Um, so do you think it's the old... Uh We'll go back to soccer again. Try to hold on as long as possible. But when 90 minutes comes, it's a lot of pressure to hold on. What, I think that's what Ringwood maybe oh, – I'm sure Ringwood back themselves to win. They've you know they've won, what is it, 98% of the games over the last five years. Unfortunately, yeah. not, not the couple. But they were happy to. with a low-scoring tight yeah, absolutely. contest. I think that – yeah. I absolutely think that Ringwood would have – at three-quarter time, they would have been sitting pretty the fact that there would only been, what, 30 scoring shots in the game. Yeah. Um, ideally, South Belgrave, that last quarter, you know, when they kick eight goals two to, to four goals two, it's like that game's clearly got on the outside. Everyone's a bit tired. It was quite warm in the end yesterday. It started freezing yep. cold and actually got quite warm. Um, so it would have been interesting to see if the game just opened up with a bit of fatigue and, and um, South Belgrave were able to get on the outside. But it actually, to be honest, coming away from it, it gives me a little bit of hope now. After five rounds or four or five rounds, I, I was worried South Belgrave were going to run away with it. Um, but they have shown to be... You know, obviously they've had a loss, and there's been periods of games where other sides may have unlocked the key a little bit, Spider. Yeah, look, I mean, we, we spoke about it on the Friday show the other week about they had a bit of a flat spot, and we, Luke Elliott would have been a little bit frustrated. They had that loss to Mulgrave, 
had a really good win the previous week to, to East Bird. To get on that, that ground down at Ringwood and to display what they did in that last quarter, that gives them a lot of confidence. And to be able to – and the way that they move the ball and Luke demands it, he – their transition is so important to the way that they play um, on, the, on that outside. They get that ball in so deep because they've got so many options. Uh, you know, there's not too many teams that can go with them defensively, and that's the biggest key for them. They've got all the weapons up forward. They've got Gardner's. They've got, mm. the, they've got Brown. You know, when Odomat's in the team, he has, he's not playing at the moment, obviously. Not just Tim Smith. But it's not – yeah, so they've got depth players – Everyone can come in and play that role. They've got different players that can come in, rotate through that forward line. They can all be very versatile. So I think that's you know, an absolute you know, essential asset to them, and that's why they're benefiting so much uh, you know, from their success at the moment and winning their last couple of games. And, and that was a really important win for them. So just to continue to show... The guys, we're still going to be there when it counts. So I think everyone's got to really stand up and take notice of what South Belgrave are doing because uh, they are one team to definitely uh, you know to watch in the second part of the year. Because if they get the full complement on the ground, there's not too many teams that it can go with them. I don't think. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's a, a pretty good way of putting it there, Spider. So at the moment they sit on top, Ringwood second, East Build a game further back in third, and then there's a tiny bit of a logjam. Mulgrave in fourth after their win over Knox, and then Baronia, the Basin, and Heathmont all stuck on three wins. Of course, Baronia with the Basin had that draw. We're going to go to a break here on the Eastland Monday Recovery. When we come back, we'll jump into the top two divisions where there was a buzzer beater out at the LSO and Charlie Haley booted at 10. Joel wheels around onto his left, goes long inside 50, coming down just about half forward through the hands, going inside 50. They've got to try and get their hands on this Finn Brown. Brilliant. Can he kick the goal? Finn Brown, he has. He must have just stepped up his line there, guys. And uh, Big Gordon, not quite um, a dainty man, just snuck up on him and... (laughs) And took him out, and he's he's kicking into what is a strong breeze. He's going to probably aim for the right-hand goalpost, and this to bring the Tigers back to within four points. Yep. Very close to the man on the mark, though, here, Brash. The big fella didn't look comfortable, but he struck it pretty that's nicely. Right. Two in a minute for the Tigers. He's given it the double Cobra. That's the first one in 2021. Welcome back to the Eastland Monday Recovery after a big weekend of action. Matt Freddie here with Matt Lee and Gavin Casey. We may have a special guest in BWS later on. Uh, that's all still patent pending. Let's jump into Division 1, though, straight off the bat. And there was a massive result at the LSO. We mentioned on the weekend forecast, Spider, that Ludell against Montrose, it was a banana skin for the Demons. It was a big opportunity to, you know, with one turn of South playing East Ringwood, to really get a game ahead of the Devils and, and push themselves right into the five. And Croydon were playing Mitchum. We'll get to that one. It looked like a big chance for Montrose to get a game clear of both of those sides. But we did think banana skin. Local rivals, Lillardale have been playing better than their record suggested this year. And unfortunately for the Demons, they went down in the end. Bad kicking is bad football. 6-11 to 7-7-49. Jordan Jaworski kicking a goal uh, on the siren, not after the siren from a set shot, hemmed in. It's pretty much what jeans are made of. Uh, on the junction of the 45 and the boundary line in front of the faithful. Uh, Rooster one on the siren, straight through the high doodle diddle. Big win for Lillardale. They get their second win of the year. And Montrose, 3-3. Three and three. And they continue along with one Turner South who got pumped by East Ringwood to have incredible Jekyll and Hyde seasons. Yeah, absolutely frustrating, no doubt, for Gary Ayres and Montrose. They just And Steve Cochran at one Turner South. And Steve Cochran. But I think when we look and reflect on Montrose so far this season, they've had the uh, they've had 
the after the siren game against one turn of south where they you know won the game because of the, the miss. miss yep and then they've been on the end of all, uh, of what happened yesterday so they'd be really disappointed with uh, you win one and you give one back and that's happened a couple of times now so that would be very frustrating it just seems that they're not getting the best out of the whole complement of the team. It seems like on a week by week. Just, sorry to cut you off, but like a side that with Schilling, Garthwaite, Davis, yep. Bailey White, Max Hall, Taj Heap, all these names that are so exciting players. I know they had 17 screenshots, but they only scored 47 points. Yeah, it's they, they should be doing better than that. And You've got to be kicking more than... That, that's a, that's surely got to be kicking towards 100 you know, with that sort of line-up. And I, and I think... Against a young yes, little outside too. With that. Luke McCormack, that interview that we had on the weekend forecast, thanks to Will Spence, he was... You could sort of hear in his voice that he was a bit annoyed that they hadn't won more games because they'd been in them, but also knew that this year was a bit of a free hit for them because there was no real chance of them going down with Upper Gully's situation and that it was such a young squad that everything was a free hit. That, that's the more annoying thing for Montrose because Gary, as should we go? Montrose, I think, are a lot more ready than they are. Well, we all thought paper. that. Yeah, look, I mean, they, they, that lineup suggests that they're not too far away. They're, they're a finals-capable team and a team that if they do play finals, they would give themselves a really good shot Particularly to be there, whether it be well, in they're the one last of those day. sides where they probably could knock off a Murubak on their day, but the problem is they can't beat a Luda. That's it? the problem. They're, they're, and and they, if they got to a preliminary final, you'd say, well, they're a very good chance to get there and take that next step. But they're just not winning the games that they need to win, and they're dropping games. They play well at home and don't play as well away. And, and that is a frustrating thing for this footy team. So hopefully over the next few weeks for the Demons, they can address that, get a bit more consistency from the bottom end of their player, bottom end of the list of the players, and start getting a few more players stepping up into that best players because we are seeing the same old players week after week. We're not getting a, a, a better spread of uh, players. But for full it's, um, it's a good, it's a great win at oh, it's home. Massive. And the, the thing is, Luke McCormick, you know, it's exciting for them. They've got young developing players. We know what they've been through over the last couple of years. The wins have been very few and far between. Uh, he's taken on this young team and they're exciting to watch. Yeah, you can just you know, watch when that goal goes through to win the game, the smiles and the jubilation on their faces. And, and that they're saying, we've done this. We've achieved something today. And that's a win that can re- you can reflect back on going forward and use that for a playing group and drive it as the season goes on, but also as the years go on when a playing group wants to play together because, remem- because remembering we can do it. You use it, and it's a it's an emotional tool, but it's also a learning and a development thing as well for for Gav, a young playing group. Gav, just speaking about so the two sides that are involved now. So one turn south, they got pumped by East Ringwood. We'll quickly do that score because we're not going to talk too much about that game. East Ringwood flexed their muscles. It was um, pretty confident in the end. I thought it was going to be closer. To be honest, it looked like a half decent game, but yeah, one hundred twenty nine to forty two. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, Wanty South kicked most of their score in the, in the second half. Liam Whelan kicked five. Um, that's about the only notable thing. East Ringwood uh, moving to second next week. Bayswater hosts Montrose, and one turn south hosts Luda. All of a sudden, Montrose and one turn south. Um, and Beaconsfield actually played Mitchum. So that, it's actually a juicy little thing because they're the yep. sides that are all battling for the last two spots. Mitchum are a bit clearer of the other two now with, with a win. And Bayswater and Lourdes probably can't really make it, but 
are still in the hunt technically. Mm. Um, it's a massive round for all those clubs. And to be honest, I could not, you could not pick any of them because I would not be surprised if Wanty South won by 10 goals. And I'm the same with Montrose, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they lost. To be honest, it could be a launching pad for one side. If they Next sh- week, especially, yeah. If they shake off their inconsistencies and, and instability and the season started around Easter and, and we've come off an interrupted year, this could be the moment where someone says, right, season on. Is, it, is Mitchum, after their magnificent win yesterday, well, the yeah, side that could launch? A little segue, of course. That well under Mitchum. They, they belted Croydon from the start. Uh, you know, they jumped out three goals to none at quarter time. You're probably thinking on paper, okay, Croydon will leak back into this. They're a good side. No, nah, did not win a quarter. Uh, did, did the... Um, did the, the Blues, 79-23, Jake Prenti with four, um, Alexander Barton-Smith two weeks in a row, best on ground for the Tigers. They now jump into fourth spot, a game clear of the chasing pack. Hmm. And their home form, that one thing that Mitchum have got going for is their consistency at home. They yeah. are a much better side at home, and that might be enough to get them into the finals. And they're a better side inside 50 now with Jake Parente in the lineup. And He'll Tom kick, Lovell. And Lovell. It means that they've got someone to go to. It's amazing what when midfielders look up and they and it takes them half a second to go, do I kick it? Uh, and then I tackle. Think, and again, this is slightly off topic, but it's a great point. Is Yesterday, what you know in Park Orchids, both sides are exactly that. They have great run and carry off halfback, great midfield groups. There was an incident in the last quarter, I think Evan Smee for Park Orchids was sprinting through the centre circles, and it was prime long to a target, and then oh, I've got to hit up a lead you know, in 45 out, and the defender's cut across. So it is a great advantage that Mitchum have got, don't they, where mm. if in doubt I can kick it long to the big fella, and most times he's going to at least make a contest for me. Well, that's right. It takes a lot of the skill out of the game almost as well, that if you go, look... if The decision-making. Yeah, it's just like uh, I've got someone, if I take my time, I'll get tackled, I'll lose my confidence, I'll be mm. worse for it. But if you can go, look, if I can get out of this congestion and I can just kick it down the line or kick it into 50, I know someone's going to help me and he'll get the ball out of a 50-50 And Mitchum contest. do have a very simple game plan in that, that they play to that strength. They know that that's their strength. So kick it down the line to Jake because he'll mark it or he'll bring it to ground and mm. then kick it down the line to Tom. And, yeah, it's Neil Winston doesn't, you know, doesn't try to be a rocket scientist, which is working for them. But back to that sort of, as you were mentioning, there's those six sides. Mitchum now look to be safer and then... Wanting South Montrose on paper should make it. Beaky as well, I, I think, can make it after their win. They allowed Upper Gully just one scoring shot all day, uh, which I don't know the last time that's happened in this division. 130 to six, one straight six. Mm. Um, so Beaconsfield jump into fifth. It's just, I think it's, it's a massive week next week in Division One. This isn't, so Bayswater Montrose, which is yep. uh, a ninth versus sixth, but there's only a game between them. Murrubach and Croydon, first versus third. Beaconsfield and Mitchum, fifth versus fourth. Eastman went up a galley. You would assume the Roos win that one. And then one turn to South Ludo. It's it's massive yeah. gap. Well, Can the I... challenge is for Mitchum, really, to be able to go to Beaconsfield and put that win away. Like, there is that possibility after having such a good win against Croydon yesterday that they go, they're flat, and they don't win that game. So it's a very the... different size ground as well, home park to, to, to Walker Park. So the challenge for them is that they must go and put a four-quarter effort once again together and don't 
leave what they've put forward yesterday. Uh, you know, don't leave that you know, at Walker Park. They need to take that with them, that confidence, and make sure that they, you know, they get that win away from home. Just because and gather some more confidence, because there's going to have to be some away wins during that second part of the season, and and that will prove that they are going to be a finals contender. And I think that's a, a really important aspect of of any good team to be able to win away from home. And I think that's the disappointing part for me for Croydon not winning away from home you know, when it was such a big and an important game. Uh, so I think for, for Croydon, there's a lot to review out of that game uh, going into the weeks going forward. Uh, just, uh, yeah, that, that was an interesting game. But when we're talking about the structure of the season going forward and where teams lie on the ladder, I'm prepared to forgive Montrose and Wonturna South for close losses because they'll happen. That'll happen in your year. But the fact is that they can score and they're in games to the end. And their percentage for Montrose is 111. That gives them advantage over... We're talking about Bayswater being close. They're not really no. in, in reality. They're a game behind and th- th- 10 goals behind in percentage. Yeah. So in reality, oh, yeah, Montrose... I, I think Bayswater and Luda aren't really in the race, but we have to include them for now. Yeah, but the thing is, is now Montrose have got to not let Bayswater beat them. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> as that's the point. That, but that's the problem with Montrose because I wouldn't be surprised, let's say, they might lose to Bayswater next week and then they might come out and, and beat Croydon or whoever it's... Like, that's... That's the yep. issue because with Because they can catch Mitchum and Croydon when they get to them on head-to-head battle. Well, they beat Mitchum last week. It's such a... So it's that's intriguing. The thing. That's the thing they've got to now think about is, is when they're in close games, what are we doing wrong? Let's get it right. Um, getting a clearance... Montrose hitting the front and getting a clearance against them in the last 30 seconds... A, a, Jaworski, Jaworski, how does Jordan Jaworski? Jaworski, he's, he's, he took a mark within 30 seconds of the game finishing. Um, so what were they doing? 6-6-6 doesn't help them, but there must be a reason why. It was it, it was a weird one because if you do watch the tape back and, and so Jeffs gets the clearance, it's just a wild kick, which is yep. all you can expect. And Jaworski does really well with his body position. But yeah, you, you, it was interesting that the wingers weren't Super defensive, like I don't know the. Are they exact, allowed to be? Oh, I don't know how. That's what I mean. I don't know. I haven't looked at the rule book. I, I'd have to ask Peter Carey during the week, how yeah. umpires director, how how defensive a winger can be, because surely after you figure that goal, you would be standing on the absolute junction of the corner of the centre square yeah. to just sit in a hole. Um, but look, I, as I said, I don't know the rules, so that might be illegal. <laughs> and, in, not... and in the if uh, no, we don't have warning, so it would yeah. have been a twenty-five from the circle. So it would have been, been a shot sneaky goal. then, maybe. But that's the thing is, is yes, Montrose, we can be hard on them, but they're competitive and they're within touching distance of the team but above I, them. But they can't concede these losses to teams the around problem. them anymore. And that's the problem with them and Juan Turner South to an extent so far this year. Juan Turner South, I will give them credit; they haven't dropped a game to a Bayswater or a Ludo yet. They've only played Bayswater and they play Ludo this week. But that's the bigger issue for Mon- with Montrose for me is that, that yeah, they've got, they're, they're competitive with the top sides, but they don't win the games they should win. And like Norwood have done in Premier Division for years, that's the reason you don't make finals because the good teams, like your Croydons, who, yes, they lost to Mitchum, but they beat everyone else below them. They make it. So if we have a slip-up, it doesn't matter because yeah. we've mm. done that. And then Mitchum are actually doing a similar thing. They've won four games this year. They pinch one against Croydon, and then the others, they win at home. They make it, like I said, New Winston, and they play a simple brand, and they win at home. And then all they have to do is pinch a couple on the road, and they'll probably squeeze into finals because Mitchum, I think, are probably overachieving at the moment. Before we go into Premier Division, gents, the top, current top five is Murabak, who won massive over Bayswater yesterday. Jai Jordan kicks six. He's in, enjoying a really... How many goals imp- is that now for him? He'd be in the 20s. Um, he and Aaron Mullet would be both close to 20, but that's a great return. I think he had a couple of years off footy, Jai Jordan, and the best three players 
Oh, just listen to these best plays from Remark. Trent Giorgio, Aaron Mullet, Jai Jordan, Riley Monkhurst, Kane Nooney, Caden Mackey there. Their stars, those six. So Murabaka on top of the ladder. East Ringwood a game back in second. Croydon a further game back in third. Mitchum with four wins in fourth. Then there's that log jam. So Beaky in fifth. Montrose and Wani South all on three wins. Lillard, Allen, Bayswater on two. Upper Gully yet to get a win. Your top five is Beaky, Mitchum, Croydon, East Ringwood, Murabaka. I don't think it's going to change from there now. I don't trust Montrose and Warren Turner South enough spire. And I think Beaconsfield, I think they've now started to figure out that they their players are starting to get in the habit of playing four quarters, which, as funny as that sounds, they didn't have to do for the last two or three years. And they're starting to know opposition teams. Mick Fogarty's starting to figure everyone out. And they've got a pretty decent um, run into finals in terms of their last three weeks at the back end of the year will be all very winnable. I'm still mm. a hold on Beaconsfield, but uh, Montrose, they'll need to keep improving to continue my faith that they can play finals, uh, you know, I start. I'm starting to get a little bit concerned on the the inconsistencies, but I'm sure Ezzy can turn it around. Um, can't really comment on Beaconsfield as such, other than what I see statistically. In that, they're not a high scoring side, but they're not conceding scores. So the percentage at one fifteen puts them on a good grounding. If they get consecutive wins, they'll be um, getting above sides. So coming from where they've come from. They haven't got a high-scoring team, but are they a hard-as-nails side? Yeah, they're, they're, be, they're hard to score against, and that's the difference. When other teams are beating Upper Gully, Upper Gully are getting, you know, when Montrose beat them, it was like 140 to 60. So Upper Gully can come out of that game going, well, we created X amount of scoring shots, and there's they can't, like when you only kick one goal, you have one scoring shot for the game. Yesterday, up a gully. Like that would be that cold for the full. Well, exactly, and it would have been out at Beaconsfield. It's a big trip out there. It's a big ground. It would have been windy. Like, but the the, like that. What I'm saying is, if you at least kick eleven goals, like even East Build against South Belgrave, they kicked ten goals. They had twenty scoring shots. So you don't feel like you're completely out of it. To have one scoring shot a day, that's that's more demoralising. Mm. Despite the margin probably not being the biggest they'll have for the year. Yeah, there's little joy in that. There's little joy in that, and what it shows is Beaconsfield's defence is very good. So, is it in the contest or is it behind? They the have ball? a lot of small, so they're not very tall. So they sit numbers back, a bit okay. like Norton Park, which is like we saw yesterday on the stream. Um, so again, lack a, a real full forward. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think, I think they'll be hard to score against. Like Corey only managed to what have. 15 scoring shots. I think Murrubark and East Springwood have managed to have a few more, but they've also got a power forward. Well, they fall on Farmer and then Jordan and yeah. Aaron Mullet. So that's the difference. But it'll be interesting to see how Beaky Mitchum go with Parenti and Lovell, whether they can match up because Beaky have no height. And as you mentioned, they've got Twin Towers Mitchum. But Division 1, as always, is shaping up to be exciting yeah, um, all across the board. We'll go into Premier Division now, and this is becoming just as exciting. Some massive results. We'll start, we'll just give a little bit of a shout-out to Charlie Haley and, and North uh, and Baldwin. Sorry, they won 209-39. to 39. Just 209. They kicked 32 goals, 17. North Ringwood, 5 9, 39. Uh, Charlie Haley, 10. Josh Sticker with 8. And then Chevy Anderson, Tom McCaffrey, Joshua Pollux with 3 goals apiece. They only had um, they only had uh, 8 goal kickers born of those 32. So uh, clearly they, they weren't keen to share it around. That's Charlie Haley's second bag of 10 in two years. He was best on ground. Sticker, second best on ground. Um, yeah, we don't have to say much about that. Just, just incredible. It, it boosts their percentage up to one hundred and seventy-seven. They so, had a couple of losses in recent times. Haven't yeah, they I, that's what I'm interested. In. Did, as Rodney said, like, don't take like I want you guys are on the chopping block. I'm willing to drop blokes from a, a win. Mm. Or have also, they? Or, sage, isn't it? or have they noticed have that percentage might come into it? Because given because it's a race for top two this year, not 
top um, three because of the way the top six is. And Vermont's percentage is only 103, so maybe they're going, well, a percentage might decide the double chance. Um, but, yeah, well, I don't want to spend too much time on Ball and North Ringwood because but also with the, with the compromise draw, there's teams that are going to play North Ringwood twice and some teams are going to play them once. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, take be, your opportunity. So that's why I didn't, but the percentage I, will come into it. But I didn't think North Ringwood would be 170 points worse. No, but nonetheless. But it, well, is a bit, it is a concern that North Ringwood, after the last couple of weeks, uh, yeah, are look, now conceding what they are. There may be circumstances, like we know. Obviously, COVID and injuries can be, can be big on clubs. But, yeah, at the moment, you just got to say, wow, let's move to Vermont and Berwick. Vermont are second on the ladder. They're 5-1. and one, And they just keep winning. Like, they kick um, straight as well. They kick straight, handy. which is very handy. I think we have to change our views because I've been one that has been expecting them to, to drop. Um, but every time they're challenged at the moment, they continue to win. So Park Orchards last week, Norwood in round two, Doncaster East in round one, Berwick this week, you know, 11.975 to 10.868. Um, we've only got the Berwick best but and it's, so on. It's, there's something in – they haven't been convincing. They've lost quarters. They've found a way to win. Park Orchards kicked poorly against them. Um, Donny East ran out of time against them. It's not that they're... Nord, well, Nord were up by seven goals. Yeah, it's <laughs> not that they're not a great side and we shouldn't be disrespecting but them at not, all. And we never will. Yeah. But the fact is, it's only they're only marginally better than yeah, their opponent every week so far. There's something about it, isn't there? Like they, they, you're right. There's just something where you're like, it's not, it's not the Vermont we're used to. And I think it'll just give us a bit of time to get used to the fact that they're not going to probably steamroll teams anymore. Well, going into the game, I was of the view on Friday that it was going to be a big win for Vermont. But when you look back at it now, I mean, you've got to give credit to Berwick because their their performance against Blackburn to go away yeah, from that game, better, they're a lot better than, than I think what the scoreboard really indicates. So, and some of the results. So, I think for them, they'll walk away feeling pretty good about themselves. Yes, they didn't get the four points that they wanted down at Vermont, but I think they'll probably say, "Well." We were very competitive. There were moments in the game we were in it. And from my understanding, for people that I spoke to that were at the game, they said, Berwick had a real go. They had a real go. And they're tough. They, they, they're, and they Vermont, did. Uh, and, sorry, Berwick are very tough. And they, and they took it up to them for the majority part of the game. But in the end, it was just a, a little bit more, you know, better heads being able to play the ground a little bit more efficiently. Well, that's the thing too. Like, it's not like there was one quarter. When mm. Vermont have won the game and held on. It's pretty much the whole day looked to be goal to goal. Berwick up by two points at quarter time, Vermont by a goal at half time, Vermont by eleven points at three quarter time and then and then seven points at full time. So it's not like Vermont blew them out of the water in one quarter and held on for dear life, Gav. They actually, yeah. as Spider's saying, it was a red hot contest with two really strong contested sides, especially in the middle, Tuck mm. and Johns going head to head would have been a great contest. Oh definitely. They've still got players. See, this is philosophical, so allow me to be so. In that they're a winning culture, they're a winning club, and they haven't lost many games in bazillion years of football in the East. So the fact is... It's like in, an innate thing where yeah, they just win. And in 2022, someone's challenged them and they've done they kicked a goal or they've maintained the deficit just when they needed to. So they do, they've got the experience, they've got the know-how, and they've got the Vermont aura. It still sides can't get them. So there's something where, yes, they're not as strong, they are bringing some youth through, but when it's the contest is in the heat of the battle late in the game, Vermont have been ahead. So what does that say? I'd like to see a game where I can judge. You want a four-quarter performance. Yeah. But the thing about Vermont is, too, not only are they 5-1, and one, but they've played fourth Doncaster race, they lost the fifth. Um, and, you know, and they've played some good sides. Like they've played Norwood as well. So they've, mm. they've also they've got a game against Doncaster coming out. They play Park Orchard. So it'll be interesting when they play a South Croydon, when they play Baldwin, and when they play Roville. 
yeah. because Roval have shown us that you can't you can't have a lax quarter against them. They're ruthless. Baldwin showed yesterday that they'll cut you open, and South Croydon um, on their day are a really good side. So the next sort of those those the next month's going to be yeah. a real big picture if for Ver- us. If Vermont hit the turn or hit round ten, seven and three, we have to change our views and, and get back to respecting them as as what they were because. I think, as you're saying, Gav, previously, we're just sort of – it doesn't it, – it looks like Vermont in terms of its record, but it doesn't yeah. sound like Vermont. It doesn't feel like Vermont just because of the way they're playing. Well, it's but. a great competition now. There's more contenders, and that's great for Vermont to drag everyone up. Like Roval, have come up from four divisions many years ago. But the fact is these clubs have had to lift well, they're their chasing to Vermont. be like Vermont. Everyone wants to be Vermont. So that's where we're at, and it's, and it's fantastic. When I started – there was a couple of clubs every year that would be the challenger. But now, this competition is, well, six, is isn't it? elite. Yeah, we only, back in those days, it was probably only Expert and East Ringwood that were challenging and probably in Noble Park to an extent but in that point in time. But now there's there's a lot more. Well, absolutely. We'll move on to Roeville. They undefeated stand-up once again. And it's hard to see where they'll lose now because of who they've played. So uh, they were, it was one goal in it all day, pretty much. Ray Baird was out there. It sounded like a, a really enthralling game out at Zerby's Reserve. Uh, Lockie Wind booted five, which is massive for his confidence because he had a great 2021 and a bit of a slow start to 2022. Roville kicked 3-7 to 2-2 in the last. So they're super fit, they're super quick, but they had 10 scoring shots to four in that last quarter, which is a sign um, that they really could have punished Doncaster East in the last. Um, they move in, So they remain on top of the ladder. They're undefeated. They've played. They've played Baldwin, who were third. Doncaster East, who were fourth. Noble Park, who were fifth, and uh, South Croydon, who were sixth. Um, as well as Nord, who, who we believe are going to be a strong side. So, not only the undefeated spider, but there's hardly anyone left to challenge them. Well, all the challenges are being knocked back, aren't they? I mean, Roval just keep winning, and it's credit to Ben Wise the way he's coaching because he's basically. You know, having a team that's presenting each week, there's not a lot of change, but they just keep serving up good four-quarter performances. There's not many quarters where they really have bad patches in games. When we talk about you know big moments in games, they're, they're using the ball well, they've got good flexibility up forward, you know, there's different players each week kicking you know bags of goals. It's great to see Lockie Wine kicking some goals. Uh, he's been in and out of sight. He's getting opportunity at VFL level and, and no doubt, and it is hard because he's probably got one eye thinking, I'm going to be playing at Box Hill one week and, and back at Roval. He's got that aspiration, but He's totally dedicated to the cause, and if he plays and he's the central figure in that forward line, there'd be he's plays a very at hard player to match up on. He's just he, he's very similar to his father. Those big arms and just that lead and just that beautiful kick for goal. There's not too many that saw, are better I, I than just, him. Just circle back to that point you said how he would have been disappointed not be at Box Hill, but there'd be players now on Roval's list that were on that fringe of VFL. They might not want to go to VFL mm. because all the standalone clubs are getting belted, and Roval are on their way to an unprecedented, undefeated season gap. The only thing is, is I'm you getting can get into myself. the VFL one step away yeah, from the I understand. AFL I understand days. that. <laughs> but uh, can but they'd I just, be enjoying their time at Roby. Yeah, the fact is they might, they're winning the territorial battle. They're um, controlling the game a bit more um, when they... They're ferocious. Oh, the Nord people were saying, like, Nord only lost by two points, but it felt like a, a battering. Like, they just came off the field and it was almost like everywhere you went there was a Roval person. Blokes were driving home and a Roval bloke would, would jump in front of them. Like, <laughs> that, that's what it felt like. at the end of exactly, the day. Exactly, yeah, the They just couldn't get rid of them. Like, they just say they are everywhere. It's it's incredible 
fitness, they're young, they're motivated. Like, I don't know what Ben Wise has got in the water out but, there. But it's guys like Brolic, McDonald, who we keep speaking about on all the programs that continually do uh, doing the damage through the midfield. We've got the, uh, the defensively, they're sound. So in every area of the ground, they're, they're just dominating at the moment. You know, they, they don't really have a weakness within their within their structures. So Roval are number one. Can I just talk about Donny East? In fact, that I saw them a couple of weeks beat South Croydon. And I was impressed. Now, I'm not going to go too far into being outpressed, considering they just lost to Roval yesterday. But I think they can win a final. So what that means? Oh yeah. In the, in the oh, regard- they can go deeper than that. Guys. Yeah. Well, let's just let them um, progress. But in the regard to what I was impressed with was around the stoppages, they killed South Croydon. Yeah, they have the skipper and Appleby on the mostly on the defensive side of the circle. Feeling is like a pivot player, and if they don't win the contest, they're tackling in that contest. If they don't get a clean hand pass out, they're knocking it to advantage where someone like DeLuca and others can sprint away. And from- they, um, they let the opposition have the inside running. Like that, you mentioned yeah. that tackling. They actually let them have the inside running because they've got Clark and Ollie, great ruckman. Hmm. They know that there's probably a clear tap. So if it does go straight down, the players can't get out. Like that's, yeah, I think it's do. smart that they make sure that they don't have – they never let – like when we saw them at Doncaster, they let Anarchus and Marn be first to it because – we, they had them sort of surrounded. Yeah, it's actually yeah, it's very smart how the way they do it. Another one is is the overlap they use from half back, uh, and I can't believe it. But every time I see Simon White, it seems a cliche to say it every time. But how he gets it on his own to be the sweeper to such effect, Gordon going to fullback is a masterstroke. Well, we well, unfortunately, Gordon's out with an Achilles. He's oh, done his no. Achilles, the poor bastard, which, but, is, which yeah. is not going to be good. But and then obviously Sam Rowe, who's uh, yep, you know, he takes big marks, big marks. They're probably better. Sorry, Spider, is that they're probably better to rush kicks into Sam Rowe and work off around him with such. They've got electricity. Scala and uh, Shalakis. And so Shalakis. I think. I think in, if it came to a final. They would default to that, but Ryan James, as he spoke to us at um, Shran's Reserve that day, he, they've got a bigger picture where that's not the way he wants to play. But I'm sure if it came to a final in the last quarter, they'd be happy to just dump it to him. My only view is is that they run so fast from halfback. With once they get an overlap, it's like they're running too fast, and then they hit, reach a dead end. <laughs> Someone used to say that about Reece Shaw. They used to run too fast, so you could never get the handball receive. He was past them by the time they figured out he was there. Yeah. It is interesting. It's again, they're a bit. That's another small ground. They're a bit like one of those sides where their home ground doesn't actually suit them. Oh. Uh, in terms of with that wave of runners you're talking about, that, they can't wait to get out on on the likes of a Doncaster or a North Ring. And we spoke space. about that on Friday because of Rover. We thought that that actually might help them play because there'll be that Rover like to close space down. And if there's less space to close down, it makes your job even easier. Um, so, do you yeah. think now because we keep reevaluating and we're talking about ball and we were talking about Park Gorge two weeks ago? It sounds like we we're we're just skipping with the with whatever happens. But it's a funny comp. It's sort of uh, the mood's changing. Roval's the only constant. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, and North Ringwood, unfortunately. and Vermont winning every week, uh, apart from once, is good for them for them qualifying for finals. So we're it's a moving fixture uh, feast of uh, well. That the was my next. Almost. That was my next point on the running order. Is uh, the other results quickly fly through them? So Noble Park uh, defeated Blackburn in an impressive standing there from from Blackburn. They made a real fist of it. Eleven points, and Blackburn came strong. They kicked four goals two to, to two goals one in the last quarter. But Noble Park get another win, bouncing back from that loss to Donny East. Obviously, we were out at Norwood and Park Orchards. Norwood got a much needed win, eleven uh, six to eight nineteen over Park Orchards by five points. Really, really exciting game. The Wooders stood up in that last quarter, kicked 2-2 to four behinds. Uh, Doncaster, 
impressive, but went down to South Croydon by 28 points. Um, and so and they did that win. Exactly, South Croydon. So that's, that's the other four results. So what it leaves, though, is a top six. So this is my talking point. Is it set? Because you've got Roeville on 24 points, Vermont on 20, Ball and Doncaster East, Noah Park, South Croydon all on 16. Uh, remember, Ball are basically a game and a half out because their percentage is now close to 200. Your next best is Blackburn on two, two and a half wins on 10 points. So they're six points out, but their percentage is 88. Mm. Park Orchards, Norwood and Doncaster all on eight wins. We probably won't include Doncaster. So Norwood and Park Orchards, they're two games out. And again, their percentage is around about 100. It's hard to see... Well, obviously not Roville, definitely not Vermont. Ball and Donny East Noble, I don't see falling out. The only susceptible one is South Croydon, and, and even then, I'm clutching at straws. Well, they were as, as di- favourites three weeks as ago. As disappointing as, as it is that the top six seems locked away and how good the competition is, I find it very hard to see any of those other sides, Gav, getting into the finals. Well, yeah, it's a full house, but it doesn't mean... Oh, yeah, they, they, they can, but I'm, I'm, uh, at I'm the now, moment, I can't figure out how. Yes, I agree with that, but I'm never, I'm never going to be shocked by results. To come no, well, absolutely. that's if, if the nature of this division, down, which is good. And, and but the problem is, Nord, Spider, Nord, Blackburn, Park Orchards are a going to have to roll some teams on the run home, but they're also going to rely on Doncaster and a Berwick and even a North Ringwood, desperately fighting for survival. Hopefully, helping them out as well. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to have to hope that there's some results go in their favour in the second part of the season. So other teams are going to have to do a little bit of work for them and have to do some themselves. So, look, I think Norwood, you know, they'd be really relieved to get that win yesterday. There's probably still a flickering of a light bit of glimmer of hope for them, but they really need to get their skates on. But they need to have their full complement of players on the park. And whether they can do that in the second part of the season, that's going to be a big question for them. Uh, you know, can they get the consistency back? Can they you know, really get that midfield really playing well week after week? But that forward line, it needs to continue to be structurally, uh, you know, yeah, for them and kicking winning scores and, and big scores. I, mean, well, I think that's the difference if you look at the top six. So Roval have got, obviously they play a slightly different style, but Lockie Wind is a key for it. They've got someone to kick it to. Vermin, I've got Andrew Ainger and they've got a couple of young fellows coming through. Ball, and we don't need to talk about Haley Lyle, Dobles when he's back from injury. I think he's got a stress fracture, someone told me yesterday, so hopefully uh, sooner rather than later for Jeff. But they've got goal kickers everywhere. Doncaster East, we've just gone through them as well. Sam Rowe, they've got their, they can play their Ruckman as the second tall. Chris Feeling can play forward. Noble don't have an out-and-out key forward. South Croydon do James Wilson. You go into those sides like Norwood, Park Orchards, Blackburn, I know Blackman have got Ryan Bathy, but he was much better when he had Jake Hammond next to him. Um, you've got three three sides that have great, def- good defences, good midfield spider, but they don't have that person to kick it to and structure them up. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that that's going to be the challenge for some of these teams in the second part of the year. And that's why there's going to be a little bit of a divide where that once we get down to that sixth, between 6th and 7th, and that's why Blackburn are probably going to be squeezed out. They're just not going to probably be able to win enough games, and they're not kicking enough goals. Great effort yesterday against uh, Naval Park, and that was a a good response after the disappointment of drawing that game last week. But they they need to get on a bit of a winning run, and I'm just not sure that's going to come in the weeks going forward to be able to beat some of the, the sides above them. I just think there's a better quality of teams ahead of them. They're just about where they are in that middle of the pack. But I think from, you know, when you look at teams like 
like Norwood and, and, and Park Orchards. Uh, Park Orchards, you know, yes, they kicked them. You know, they'll be kicking themselves yep, because two weeks kick, in a row, two yeah, weeks in bad. a row, kicked themselves out of games. And as we always say, bad kings, bad footy. And you look back at the end of it, and they could be the little differences between playing finals and not. And that's and we you potentially finish on the ladder and. And we know how the, how it could work next year for for Park Orchards if whereabouts they finish could determine on where, you know what sort of you know where they could lie within the within the draw as well. So a lot of things can creep up. Look, they're going to be very they're very competitive Park Orchards, and they've done some great. Oh, no, things. They're, they're they're good, and and them and Doncaster East have been testament to their dominance in the divisions below because both yeah. sides have stepped up and, and made it uh, look pretty, not easy, but they've done pretty well. They've done better than other sides that have come up in recent years. We're going to go to a break here on the Eastland Monday Recovery because as much as we could talk about that division and Division 1 forever, we have to move on and we'll come back later and talk about Division 3, Division 4, where Glen Waverley jumped out of the relegation spots and down in Division 4, could Croydon North or Kilsyth make the finals? He's about 40 out. Have a shot. He's going to have to. He's going to play on, run around, give himself some room, set sail for home. Samuel Hart. Yes. He's got it. As I say, the former Temple State man gets plenty of height on the keg. I think he's off target, though. In fact, he's out of bounds. He's missed everything completely. And that's yeah. a wasted opportunity. Hard kick for a left footer on the left-hand side. That just can't get the angle of the dangle right. <laughs> the angle of the dangle. You mean the words today, uh, Brad? Angle of the dangle, right? 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 The angle of the dangle. You mean the words today, uh, Brad? Welcome back to the Eastland Monday Recovery. We missed Brash on yesterday's uh, broadcast. He's uh, feeling just a little bit under the weather and didn't want to risk it doing his uh, civil duties, which is, which is nice to see from Brash. I know he'll be listening as well. And, of course, uh, a big big part of the media team. Let's jump into Division 3 and Division 4 here on the Monday Recovery. Matt Foti with Matt Lee and Gavin Casey. Uh, it looks like our, our special guest, Peter RS, has been held up. So uh, we apologise uh, if any of those who listened to the opening segment were waiting for his dulcet tones. Uh Scoresby, they've done it again. They're a bogey side for Warrandyte. They beat Warrandyte last year in similar circumstances by just two points. Last time it was because Warrandyte's, uh, sorry, Scoresby's great kicking, Warrandyte's bad kicking. This time Scoresby could have won by more. Um, it's a win that gives them their third of the season. They move a game clear of the second relegation spot and three games clear of Furniture Gully. Um, they're only a game out of the four, but their percentage is 81, so we probably won't regard them as a real finals contender. But an impressive final term. They were down uh, 51 to, to uh, 38 at three-quarter time, the Magpies. So, you know, you're looking at that, you're thinking, Warren Dot should really hold out, Spider, but incredible final term. Three goals, three to just one goal uh, one goal straight. Ben Bongrace continuing his great year. He kicked two, Dale Hare and Nicholas Lang to a piece. Um, it's a credit to Christian Bardsley to what he's doing with his club because, and Gav, you actually you were a big supporter of scores beyond the preseason stuff, but I looked at it from the outside and thought, you know, no junior club at the moment, no 19s. It just looked like Scoresby were in a bit of a spiral, but Bardsley's done incredible work. Well, he has, and I just wanted to mention, we said last week, I mean, I tipped them to beat Coldstream and they, they fell short after being such a margin in front and they would have been no doubt disappointed and they would have gone away, reviewed that game, they played so well again on the weekend. 
and to get that win, but more importantly, to play well in the last quarter. So they didn't fade out like they did the previous week and get overrun. They really played well at home. They're a better side at home. And I, and I really think that the, they would have really celebrated that win as a playing group. And look, they'll be disappointed they ha- haven't put two wins in a row together, but uh, that was a, a really important win for their club and, a, a, good land- step, and a good step forward for them, I think. It's a landmark win, isn't it, Gav? Yeah, I think... I- think it's uh and i was talking about how they're they're good because wet weather will suit them but i just wonder whether it's like a wrestling match and they just tucker them out they just the warren i just only have one um, shot at goal in the end christian bardsley spoke to one of our riders and he literally just said the thing his game plan is we stay in games as long as we can like you're saying Mm -hmm. rope a dope that's that european football thing stay in it as long as we can and then if we can pinch it at the end yeah. That's how we win them. They're not going to go into games and go, okay, we're going to play outside run and stuff because he knows if we do that, we'll get blasted. And that's a perfect example of what you're saying. Yesterday, they just stayed in the game. They didn't let Warren or get away from them and then they were able to uh, wheel themselves over the line at the end. It's a, a great performance. It's a lot easier for them to get space when the opposition's tired. If you're not and stressed. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you don't have outside run or, or quick burst away from stoppages, if the other side's tired, then they become like witches' hats for you. So it allows you to appear like you're running on top of the ground versus them. So the fact that Warren Dyke scored one, only had one scoring shot to 3-3, three, three, uh, Scoresby ran over the top of him in effect, but I feel like they just their strength around the contest just knocks the knocks the other team apart. Like Warren Dyke should and Warren Dyke at that. quarter time had four three to one four. So they might have been going in and subconsciously thinking, okay, one more good quarter here, we'll kill this game, we can bank the four points, you know, and not you know go too hard because you know their bodies have been weary. But yeah, like you said, Scoresby they they sort of it's a mental it's almost like a mental disintegration. They just keep <laughs> they're just there the whole game. They're there, they're there, they're there. Yeah. And then in the last quarter, like you said, Barzi said, just stay in the game. Stay in the game, and we might be able to pinch it, and and they've done it, Spider. So been a few performances like that though for Warren Dot this season. Though, yeah, which they is a haven't bit, they haven't concerned. hit their straps at all, um, and they've won. So they beat Waverley Blues by two points in round one. They beat Donvale at home by a similar margin. Um, even the Ferntree Gully game that we watched, they won by just under a goal. Paul Donahue did say like they've been hit with injuries, but yeah, they haven't quite hit their straps. So they now sit and they lost to Coldy. So they now sit. Uh, third Warren Dyke, but there's a real gap. There and this is was a real the team gap that between... dominated last year. This yeah. was a team that basically we thought pre-season was once again going to be the benchmark of the competition, but they, they're they're a mile off it. They're not they're not yeah, really I showing. I think their best is not is not a mile off, but they haven't hit their best yet. But you look at the competition; no one besides the Waverly Blues have really hit their best. So, so there's, know, there's not big scoring in this. Yeah, comp. well, the Waverly Blues do, but everyone yeah, else. One but team does, but yeah. you, I think obviously they've played the extra game, Waverly Blues. So they haven't had their bye yet, and they played their good Friday game. But they're now what three games clear of second? They they've won seven games with one loss, which was by two points. To Warrandyte, and then you've got Donvale, Warrandyte, Coldstream all on four wins, and then Whitehorse and Scoresby on three. Like the Wavy Blues are definitely locked into finals. They knocked off Coldy, who were before yesterday second on the ladder. Josh Williamson kicks seven. So Matt Perry hasn't been playing, but doesn't bother them. Josh Do you, Williamson steps into the hole for the Wavy Blues. If we're going to change topics, I've just wanted to get on to this for a little bit. Around Queen's birthday, Waverley Blues forgoed a week when they brought a game forward. Yeah, so they'll have. Three weeks, uh, well, I think they have the last bye. So they play this week and then have the bye yeah, in round nine. They haven't had nine. a bye. They've got it. They brought a game forward. And then Queen's birthday, I think, 
there's no games on. Is no, that right? so that, oh. so they'll go. Yeah, they'll go Donvale this week, then have the bye, then Queen's birthday. Yeah, and then what will happen is they'll have two buys in their run home. Yeah, so they so they will have a bit of. Is that good or bad? I think the way they're banking wins, you could argue it's, okay. it's a good thing. Yeah, the fact that they won't be worried about other results on the final day. They should be able to, at this position, lock away top spot before it gets to the final round. But you could also argue that some clubs don't want to have that buy because if they go in as first seed, they have a buy, hmm. they play the qualifier, win it, they have another week off, go into a grand final. We've seen it happen before. So there's 11 weeks to We're go. We're getting away ahead only, of ourselves. No, but but just it's a comment because it, it's going to be relevant that they only play seven times in the last 11 weeks of football. So hmm. And then if you're out in finals, yep. they may only play yeah, yep. nine of 13. Or eight of eight of twelve going eight of thirteen, sorry, going into a grand final, and there might be some players that need to get an extra run in their legs. Yeah, uh, well, there's some people like you know it's all sports. Some people need rest, but other people like to you know look. You look at Nick Rewald; he was a player who just liked to always be doing something. Um, you know, so so some players might benefit from the weeks off, Spider, but other players might feel like they're not doing enough. Yeah. So conversely, to Scoresby, if we can just talk about Waverley Blues last quarter, it was sixty-eight to sixty-three at three-quarter time. Yeah, Cody Mount Waverley Reserve, and then it was six goals four to one-one. The difference is, is you know that Waverley Blues were running on top of the ground. That you know the overlap was happening, and they were just getting in at forward fifty after. And I'd love 50. to know Josh Williamson kicked seven. I'd love to know how many of those seven came in the last quarter. You know, yeah. is that, and he, you know, a star goal kicker from Taz, or from Lorimer via uh, Tassie via Lorimer. Um, you know, Matt Perry didn't play like I said, but he's another power forward. That's we speak about it. We spoke about it in the last segment about certain clubs in the top two divisions. That's the beauty. Wave Blues have got close game. We know we've got someone that kicks goals if we can get it down there. Um, and I think uh, Darcy Fritch, unfortunately for Coldy, was playing VFL, I believe for Williamstown. Yeah, for Williamstown, and he was that player that would have done the same thing for the other end. But Coldy coming out of that with their head held high, though. They would have liked more scoring shots, but to be only five points down three-quarter time, that, that shows that there will be a genuine finals contender, Spider. Yeah, it will. I mean, we always were confident in talking about this game, previewing it on the forecast. We were saying that if they went there with the right attitude and, and, and the mindset that they could you know, compete for four quarters, they would run the Waverley Blues very close. And for much of the day, they did that. Just in the end, they just couldn't quite keep up just in the, in the later stages of the game. But I think they'll take a lot away from that game, knowing the next time they play them you know, in the return match, then they'll be able to certainly you know, match up accordingly. Coldy, uh, one of the sides the Whitehorse would have been targeting heading into the weekend. So Whitehorse would have looked at it and, and thought, well, Coldstream are definitely going to lose. Well, are most likely, sorry, going to lose. So that was the team they might have locked a game, a game on when they were playing Glen Waverley, who at the time were second bottom, had had to forfeit their reserves the week before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Whitehorse, a bit like Montrose in Division 1, just tripped up when they really didn't need to. Gone down by eight points, started slow. Uh, the Hawks came out, kicked five goals to one. Whitehorse chipped their way back in front um, or just before three-quarter time hit the front and then the Hawks kicked uh, one goal to none in the last to win it. So it would have been an exciting last quarter, tense. Lewis Holmes five, Max Holmes three. Um, so eight of the ten goals coming from the Holmes boys. Um, I don't know what to say more out of this game, Gav. You, obviously, it's great for Glen Waverley for themselves to get out of the relegation spots. They're still in the race for relegation. Yeah. The other story for me is the fact that Whitehorse have just missed the trick. Like This would have been a game they would have half-penciled in and a real chance to draw level if they'd won yesterday with other results, they would have drawn level with Donval, Warrandyte and Coldy. And now they've just it's a really disappointing week for them. You've got to remember Glenn Waverley only lost to Coldstream by two points 
So there's not much between these teams. And Glenn Waverley had, over the last few seasons, have had bad habits of not being able to win close games. So it's good to see, for their benefit, that they're starting to nail close games against Furniture Gully and this one. And there's some momentum now in their season where if you keep losing games you're competitive in, you can all fall apart. But I feel like between Coldstream, Whitehorse, Scoresby, Glen Waverley, Fair Park and even Furniture Gully, there's not much between them because they can't score more than 10 goals on an average week. So they're never going to be that far apart, are they? It feels sometimes, particularly in this instance with Whitehorse, that perhaps they turned up with that attitude that it was just all going to happen. And it can happen in those games where you just think, okay, we just only have to do the bare minimum and you do leave your attitude in your, in your kit bag and you just you go through the motions. And it feels like that was one of those games yesterday. And, and Glenn Waverley basically seized that opportunity and said, well, if you're not prepared to play the four quarters, we are. We're, we're desperate to win. And uh, maybe that's one that might just come back to bite more or so come the end of the, end of the season. But that's one that, they really should have won and they, they failed. But uh, Glenn Waverley Hawks got to give them all the credit. They've uh, really stood tall when they needed to. Despite it, fourth son, uh, the fourth spot is not locked in for up to – and, Matt, you're telling me that um, Ferntree Gully um, bottom. I reckon Ferntree Gully, if they shook off this losing habit of not being able to win one game <laughs> yeah, with yeah. a percentage of 85, mind you, so that means they're not losing by much when considering all these games are low scoring. If they got on a run, I wouldn't be – it is a it is so convolutedly tight between fourth, and I'm still going to give Furniture Gully a chance to redeem themselves. But, um, are, you, but the, are you talking about surviving or making the making the finals? The finals. Oh. oh no! I, look, I think the problem with this division is it's so tight that they I don't think anyone besides the Wave Blue is going to get on this enormous run of wins. Like I don't see. But Matt, the, the, let's not give up our hope, and and I'm only chucking Furniture Gully in because their percentage is so good they don't lose by much. And yes, they've uh, they haven't won a game, and and I'll skip away from them, but Fair Park had a nice couple of weeks. They've won two, and they're only... But there's times like Glenn Waverley, who are competitive against Coltream. Scoresby just uh, um, had a good win. So, really, it's up for grabs. A lot. I, I don't think the season settled at all. Well, I think still Furniture Gully can win, win a couple of games. I, I'm, they, I don't think they can play finals. But well, that was just a bit of hyperbole, so sorry about that. I, but I think... <laughs> But I think from their point of view, their first part is to get that first win and perhaps a couple more might come their way, but they're just down on confidence. Well, they're not definitely relegated as a team that no, hasn't won a game. This is French no, yeah, no, 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 not at all. But, but, but it would, is, time is running out. Yeah, the, the time is ticking for them. They're going to have to start getting moving and uh, start putting putting some wins together. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a a weird one for the, for them. It's um, Yeah, I'm sort of with you, Gav, because every time you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, they're a good team, but... Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. You yeah, start, I'll, you start losing faith. If they get to the turn, they haven't won. Even if they beat uh, Fair Park and Glen Waverley, other clubs like Scoresby, Glen Waverley, and Fair Park might have pinched wins against themselves. You know what I mean? So not only are they going to have to win those games that they lost, they're actually going to have to then. They're now going to have to then just to survive. Yeah, they're going to have to beat one of those top five sides. But that's why these wins for for teams like Scoresby, yeah, exactly, have been so massive. Yeah, they're huge. They get. A, a, uh, 16 games, you're going to have to win eight or nine. and you're going to, so, to make finals. No, yeah. uh, would you stop talking about them making finals? I'm no, talking about I'm not them surviving. talking about that. I'm talking about everyone else oh, yeah. as well. So I, I think the fourth place side, the fourth and fifth, it's going to come down to, to something real close. At the moment, Coldstream and Whitehorse look to be those two. Warrandyte haven't hit their straps, but 
I think will be good enough to, to get there comfortably. Donvale, I think, are a really good side on paper and obviously the Wavy Blues. So I think Coldy, that fourth and fifth currently are Coldy Whitehorse. I think that's the battle. And I think that, it, like you said, it could be like a 9-9 split. Now that look at it again, apart from Donvale's percentage is going to be very handy. Because yeah, well, that, they do pump. When they win, they, they win. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's... As we've said multiple times, all the divisions have, have got a story this year, yeah. um, which is not something we've been able to say in previous iterations all the time. It's, or, sorry, interesting stories. There's been stories, obviously, but sometimes by this time of the year, we sort of know what's happening. Maybe I'll rephrase it. It's not who's going to make finals. Whoever's going to be relegated will be stiff. Oh, absolutely. And there's two of them as well. Yeah. So you think about, let's say a Fernandrigale go down, they're way better. They, like we said, on paper, they should be making finals, and then they're in a Division 4. And, and then you think about the other team that goes down, you know, if it's a fair park, they've been impressive. If it's a Scoresby, you know, they've challenged the top four sides. And if it's Glen Waverley, like you said, they only lost to Coldy by two points. So, mm. um, yeah, you, you wouldn't want to be a Div 4 side next year with two of those two coming down. But let's jump down into Division 4, where the real story is who makes fourth Spider? Because the ladder at the moment is pretty clear that there's three sides locked away. Sylvan are definitely going to make the, the finals. They'll probably make it in pole position. They beat Forest Hill by... Um, 77 points or, or something to the tune of that, 140 to 63. Lee Kimpton kicks six, so he jumps further ahead of Justin Ficarilli, who uh, I don't think was named in the end. Um, yeah, disappointing for Forest Hill. Churnside Park are in second. They had a pretty interesting game against Nutterwadding. Uh, the Lions started hot, kicked the first four, uh, but in the end, Churnside Park won uh, comfortably, 129 to 71. Sam King kicks seven. Uh, but not a warning, 16 scoring shots, starting to get more scores on the board, which hasn't been said of them in previous years. And the other game, Croydon North were uh, in front early. Uh, Surrey Park, inaccurate kicking, kept the Kangarams in it. Uh, but in the end, at three-quarter time, it was 68 to 53, so 15-point margin before Surrey Park kicked uh, two goals, four to nothing in the last quarter to win by 31 points and jump into third. So, Sylvan first on 24 points, Churnside second on 20 points, um, and Surrey Park third on 16 points. It's in a two-game gap to Forest Hill, Kilsyth and Croydon North, all on eight percentage just deciding those ones. Who's leading the race, Spider? After the last three weeks, you have to say it's Croydon North, don't you? You would have to say that. I mean, we spoke about Forest Hill on Friday and We've been really disappointed in what they're doing as a as a team and a club and the direction because their performances have been disappointing. And they took some small steps from my understanding yesterday, but they played just a team that was, you know, head and shoulders above them. Kilsyth have had that their moments, their ups and downs, and their just consistency has been a bit of an issue where they haven't been able to, you know, string those multiple games together, those consecutive games. And then you've got North Croydon that starting to really show the competition that they're on the improve and really have a upwards um, you know, curve with them. So I think, Gav, from their point of view, I think North Croydon are the team that are potentially I think looking for a fourth spot if, if they can get on a little bit of a roll. And, and Kilsyth, I think we should pay a little bit of respect to because whilst they didn't beat Forest Hill, they have beaten Croydon North. So yeah. And that game in a couple of weeks could be that deciding one, two, couldn't it, Spider? Because I, I expect Forest Hill to maybe spiral a little bit here, Gav. Yeah, the the great thing for me is that Croydon North have have now a legitimate football side, competitive football side, not struggling to 
to play against sides. They're now competitive, only lost to And they're not Chernside. leaking big scores. Yeah, they only lost to Churnside by a point. They had a shot after the siren as well. So when you think about how far they've come, that is, oh, the, big, incredible. It is the biggest improvement in the league, in my opinion. Um, Forest Hill's a disappointing one for me, considering how many premiership chances they've had in recent years and to go up a division. Um, for them to drop off and be behind, affect, you know, kill siphon, to me, that's the big disappointment. But... Um, yeah, it's an interesting Kilsyth um, and Croydon North. I feel like are the two sides yeah, there. I think that we get more behind Croydon North because of their last three weeks. Um, whereas at the start of the year, Kilsyth had a similar. They were in similar positions and couldn't finish the job. Um, I don't know if Kilsyth played. Oh, they had played Chenzo Park, so they lost by a point there. Um, they had Surrey Park, similar situation to this one, and got blown out of the wood in the last quarter. And then against Forest Hill, they were in front. Kilsyth and Forest Hill rolled them in the last. The difference is Croydon North were able to get that landmark win mm. over the Zebras. But yeah, I don't think we can. I think Kilsoth is definitely still in the conversation spider because every week, um, this, even against Sylvan, they were impressive for a half. So I think Kilsoth, the fact that they had the buy this week means that they're not forefront of our minds, but they're definitely in the conversation as well. Well, they are, and they've been in games, and there has been games where they haven't you know, have, haven't been blown away. They've been right in it till to the end. They've gone down narrowly. So look, they've certainly got their opportunity. It's whether they're going to be capable um, if. You know, a couple of big games for them. That that game, Kilsoth and uh, North Croydon, that shaping up to be a bit of a an elimination final uh, in the weeks going forward. Yeah, it's well, and 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 even that the Croydon North Kilsoth, I think we're going to cover that one, and it'll be obviously the first time we've called well, definitely Croydon North, and first time in a while we would have called Kilsoth. But it, it, it's again, like I said, there's stories in each division, and it's it's good, Gav, that the story is a race for the finals rather than yep. in the previous couple of years it's been well, these are the top four. And and it could be a percentage race rather than an actual points race. Oh, definitely. I mean, Nutter Wadding have been lost only by a point to uh, Croydon North. So in terms of uh, the standard being lifted, it's fantastic. But you look at the top of the ladder. Yeah. Where Kimpton and Ficarelli, 35 and 24, and they've scored nearly 900 points in they're six both, games of football. And they've both kicked a bag of 10 each. Yeah, so the... in that regard, it's dominant. It's But... Maybe we should change our focus in the future to just analyse why they are so at the moment so much better. I think I think it's it's a lot of personnel. Um, I've said a couple of times that I think they're different to Coldstream last year purely because Coldstream's dominance was in the midfield, and it's if you Josh has got the best midfield by a mile, there's nothing you can really do about it. Like you can just try so long, but eventually they'll break you down. Sides like Surrey Park and um, Chernside Park. We'll go, okay, if we can win the midfield battle against Sylvan, it, it doesn't get down to Kimpton and Ficarilli. Hmm. Um, that's the only thing I can make the case for. If, if Sylvan get enough supply down there, a bit like South Belgrave in Division 2, if they get it down there enough, they're going to kick a wing score. Yeah, so the defenders are not going to be able to no, stop that. You can't stop them. You know, you can't, if you get, let Sylvan get 40 inside 50s in a game, they'll still manage to kick 20 goals because you know their forwards are just so much better. So the only, like a Churnside or Surrey Park, teams that are going to try to beat them come the pointy end, the only way they can do it is to just go to your midfielders. You have you have to dominate. You know, your, your Slattery, your Clavant, your Grant Stevens for Churnside, for Surrey Park. There's They've got a lot more depth probably through the middle, but you have to go to them. The only way we can really win this game is we don't let them get 45, 50 inside 50s and we take our chances at the other end. But I think there's a little bit more hope than there was last year. Last year, there was no one getting close to Coldstream, unfortunately. But it resembles it so much that we're maybe under... Under giving credit, in terms of giving credit, we're under under doing it a little bit in terms well, of considering they were they were going to probably finish fourth or fifth last year, so it's a big jump. I know 
I know uh, a team went up, but yeah, still, it's a, a pretty impressive jump to go from almost missing finals last year or would have missed finals last year to the dominant team by minimum 10 goals. It's incredible. So, mm. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I still hold out that I think... I think there's a way, there's an easier route to beating Silver than there was Coldstream, but at the moment it's pretty hard to make a case, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, going to be hard for a team to beat them. But I think the the interesting part's going to come around that uh, you know, second, third, fourth uh, to see what combinations uh, you know, appear and uh, particularly that fourth spot. So what's holding Surrey Park back from um, dominating their games because think- they seem to. I think scoring their, te- their side last year, they lost a few that I think they've gone travelling from all reports, travelling or not playing. They okay. haven't lost many to like rival clubs, except Jordan Winter went back to Nutter Wadding for coaching opportunities. And their 19s, I'd be interested to see what happened then. They had 19s in Premier Division like East Berwood did. I'm not sure what's happened with the filtering through of them. So I well, think there they, has I been think, a couple that they've gone through. I think for Surrey Park, the yeah, they didn't, they didn't keep that linear projection. They've sort of maybe, it's just sort of wobbled a little bit, not stagnated and plateaued, but it didn't keep that real sharp up rise because in January, I assume Surrey Park with Coldstream out of the way, with 19s coming through from Premier Division, you would assume that they would be comfortable. So, yeah, I think there's, I still think they're better than Churnside despite Churnside winning that game early in the year just because of that that reason. But, yeah, I think they yeah they probably got hurt by a few experienced players deciding to take the advantage of finally being allowed to leave the country. <laughs> yeah, that's um, very relevant. Which, but a lot, of, a lot of clubs are hurting that. You know, Norwood are going to lose Lockie Dixon and South Croydon are going to lose Nick Evans for a couple of weeks. But you can't begrudge people that. When people no. have been locked in their homes, locked in their, this state, this country well, for so long. Well, if they go to Noosa, <laughs> you could enjoy. Well, exactly. That's what I mean. Like you can't, you can't begrudge people because, if anything, these last two years have taught us that there are more important things um, yeah. than football, and for, which, which may be hard to grasp for some of the people <laughs> of yesteryear and the coaches, but that's the way it is. And, and that also might be something that, plays into who makes finals in some of these divisions where the race is incredibly tight, isn't it, Spider? You know, yeah, it is. I'm sure the East Bird boys will be putting a, a ban on weddings and, and holidays come well, that's August. That's the thing. It's sort of trying to get those priorities uh, all in sync, isn't it? And then there's some guys that are, you know, all the work commitments, so those guys that have got to do those extra little things. Or shift uh, workers, or even, shift even workers, police yeah. officers as well. Yep. You know, there's, there's plenty the of that sort of stuff. doesn't have a lot to go to, I know, personally. Mm. Sometimes you struggle for staff. So if you're... If football's a part-time thing, does it become? Is it number one or number well, two on Saturday now? Financial pressures as well. You know, in in recent years, the salary cap had the room where some some clubs had the ability to uh, match a, a landscaping salary for a Saturday. But you know, if you've got a young family or you've got a mortgage to pay, you know, sometimes you, that little bit of extra cash working in a in someone's back garden or plumbing is a bit different to yeah. to, to kicking the, the footy around. So that's the other variables that all come into this. So we may see some twists and turns along the way, but. Like I said, multiple times, it's very, very exciting that all five divisions mm. um, have something to tell us in terms of races to the bottom and races to the top. But, gentlemen, once again, thank you for joining me here on the Eastland Monday Recovery. We thank Justin Stanton, who was on the line, unfortunately, for about 10 minutes before we started the show. Uh, but he was always great to chat to. A big win for the Basin Bears. It's another big weekend of uh, week, sorry, of Eastern Footy Netball League action coming up. If you need your female footy focus, remember that's on a Wednesday that comes out. There was a massive round of women's as well with Vermont and South Croydon going down to the wire. But until next time, I've been Matthew Fodia, that's been Matt Lee, and that's been Gavin Casey. End of the most important sentence clearance of the afternoon. So Haig won it down. Wignall got it. Can he get a handball away? He's going to burst away. He's going to run to 50. Low ball to the top of the goal square. McCormack! Oh, no. He pulled it in! Oh, he no. pulled it in! Oh, Wignall. He got through the Acosta Harvey tackle. Oh, no. Took a few paces and then speared it to Loda McCormack. 
He's been good all day, Billy. Started the day with an almost hanger. Kick the check side for right in front of us. Billy, he can make it. He can make a name for himself. Billy, don't be a hero. Oh, I think they want him to be one now, Brad. 15 metres out. Billy McCormack's kicked it. Oh, you'll be.